You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Because you are more than enough for us. You are not just enough. You are not about to be enough. You are not almost enough. You are more, more, exceedingly abundantly, more than we can ask, more than we can think, more than we can imagine more than we can conceptualize, more than we can strategize. You are more, more, more than enough for us. And we thank you. We rest in this promise. We rest in this assurance. We are strengthened in this knowledge that you are on our side and that we belong to you. We thank you, Father, for you are working all things out for our good and for your greater glory. We commit ourselves into your hands as we just progress in service this morning. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. It is you that we have come to encounter. It is you that we have come to meet with. So speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Do you want to celebrate Jehovah Jireh? Hallelujah. Yes. He's more than enough for you. And so if you have any bill, any bill, just rest in the promise that that bill will be sorted. You don't need to bother about how. Oftentimes we worry as God's children. And that's what Jesus was saying to you. Do not worry. Just rest. Say to someone beside you, just rest. Rest in Jehovah Jireh. That he has sent your angels out to minister on your behalf. Favor, grace, you know, does begin to open up. And you will testify in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so on this note, I would like to very quickly, I'm sure you can see three seats here. Forgive me. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone. I was caught up in in just the moment and the, you know, just feeling so loved like a little child um, about the quality and the amazingness of God's love, really. So good morning. I hope everyone is doing great. Good morning, everyone watching us online. Thank you for being in church today. God bless you. We'll ride on very quickly. I have three seats here, so I'm going to bring in two amazing people to join me. Demilade, do you want to come up? Please celebrate Demilade and Pastor Dami. Dami Adelawa, she's the pastor in charge of our women's ministry here. Um, our women's group. Yeah, just in case somebody's wondering, which one is women's ministry? The, the group of women in LifePoint Church. Yeah, she leads that team. So um, you guys just join me very quickly and, and we'll get started. Amen. How are you? PD, how are you? All right. Awesome. So, please, mic checks. Hi. Okay, Hi. great. Okay. Hi, Demilady. Hi, Pastor. <laughs> All right, so I just want the house to take a quick declaration, everybody in the room and everyone online. Um, the word of God is a lamp to my feet. Granting me clarity, insight, and foresight. It is light to my path. Granting me direction, instruction, and revelation. As I listen today, grace is ministered to me in my current season of life. I hear the word, I receive the word with joy and thanksgiving, and I obey the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And please, very quickly, let's celebrate um, Eniola for his God experience as well. 
That's such an amazing testimony of transformation, you know, and it's so spot on because transformation is part of what we're going to be discussing with um, um, the two fantastic people here. So be ready to be blessed. God, God came prepared for you this morning. All right, so um, in the last two months, for the benefit of someone who's just worshiping with us for the first time, we've been on a journey. It's been a spiritual maturity journey, and we have been on a teaching series tagged Grow. Grow. Tell someone, Grow. You need to grow up. You need to grow up, okay? Um, and we've, we've, we've discussed different things, you know. I mean, it's been like eight weeks of just God pouring into us and us, um, you know, learning more about Him, growing in our knowledge of Him. And so, just very quickly, I'm going to attempt to do a summary just very, very quickly. So um, one of the big things that we examined was the stages of spiritual growth. And so we loosely classified them into three stages. So the first stage of infancy, you know, that is where it's the stage of innocence. It's the stage of ignorance. It's the stage of irritability. For the few people in the room who have kids, especially younger kids, you can completely relate to this stage of infancy, you know, because children at that age are not very patient. They want it and they want it now. Um, you have the stage of childhood, which is a state of um, indecisiveness, of curiosity, uh, a bit of talkativeness as well. So your, your child, you know, from about four, five, six, seven, they, they just want to know why. And you get a ton of why questions. Um, so if you are very smart like me, you would have devised a way to um, just wiggle out of some of those whys that you don't have an answer to. Like, I'm trying to remember one now, but none readily comes to mind. But something around space and something around the sun and something around, uh, mommy, can you hold the sun? Why do I want to hold the sun? Why is that an ambition? Mommy, you should go to the sun. Why? <laughs> People go to the moon. Why sun, you know? But anyway, uh, you then have the state of adulthood. It's a state or a stage of selflessness, of purpose, of alignment uh, with the Holy Spirit. You know, and so Demilade, on this growth map, this spiritual growth map, can you attempt to plot yourself anywhere on that map? <laughs> you, now that's a trick question. Because the follow-on question would be, so if I, you guys, give me an example of someone you know that you would say, oh, is a spiritual juggernaut in, 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 in their walk with God. I mean, based off of what you see, obviously. Uh, the person, Daddy Gio, aha, how many people agree? That, that man feels like he's been born again from the womb, right? When you engage with him, so much wisdom, so much depth. I mean, he's not one of, he doesn't have to shout for the anointing to move, you know. He's just very calm, collected somebody. So, Demiladi, are you an adult? Because Daddy Gio is an adult. So, are you? I'm not. I'm not. I'm so, that means that this is our category. We need to reclassify adulthood, right? Adulthood one, adulthood two. Two, three, four, 0.5. Adults in, about to enter in there, right, baby adults. <laughs> okay then, anyway, so those are the three broad stages that we defined. And then we also discussed something called the destiny fulfillment continuum, which is essentially just four things, knowing God. So when we get saved, we come into a relationship with him. We seek to know him. It's part of our spiritual growth journey. You can't say that you are, because you are now in a relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's all done, so it's okay. You can just continue your singlehood life without seeking to know who they are, 
their preferences, you know, determine compatibility and things like that, you know. So, I mean, kind of same with a relationship with God. You've got to seek to know him, to understand his ways, to, you know, engage with him so you can enjoy the fullness of him. All right. From moving from there, it's also, there's the second um, phase, which is gaining freedom. Oftentimes in Christianity, we assume because we have said that prayer, you know that prayer they say in church that Eniola led us to say, we've said it so everything should automatically begin to fall into place. Not all the time. We need to gain freedom. We need to, in fact, the first walk, and I love the scripture he shared there, Romans 12, 2, starts with the mind transformation because you need to unlearn certain things. There are certain belief systems, there are certain things that you have acclimatized while in sin that you need to begin to let go of, you know, and you have to gain freedom, freedom from the oppression of the enemy in various ways, um, in our minds, in our health, in our finances, in our body, everything, even in our relationships. All right, then the third phase uh, is discovering purpose. Now, with all of that enabling and equipping, the next thing is for you, you were designed for a purpose, you were fashioned for something. God created you on the eating, but you didn't come and feel space, you know, like matter. Occupy space and what's that matter definition again? I always mix it up here on stage, but yeah, something about weight and space. Uh-huh. Matter has weight and occupies space. You are not just matter. You have weight and then you're occupying space, but there is more to you. There is more to your life. You have a purpose for which God created you. Okay, and then the last thing is making a difference. So I haven't realized your purpose or on the journey to even... So, I mean, we always said purpose is not a destination. It's a mix of different things that you do as you go along, you know. I mean, we know that Jesus' ultimate destiny was to, to save us, to die on the cross. But he did several other things. He taught he poured himself into people and, you know, sort of created a generation and those ones to poured themselves. He, he literally started this whole leadership, um, this Christian leadership continuum as we understand it. But yeah, he replicated himself into different people. He healed people. He delivered. He changed mindsets and different things on the journey to the cross. Okay, so having known all that then you have got to make a difference in your world, in your community, in your environment, in your industry, wherever it is that God has placed you part-time in your school. Seeking to make a difference is extremely important. So on that, on that note, I'm just going to go to uh, Pastor Dami here. When we talk about those uh, stages of growth, moving from infancy to childhood to adulthood, you know, it comes with some pain. It comes with some pain. Um, no matter how much it is that you love a particular face, I mean, some of us as adults now, maybe she's, uh, she's, a, she's more, a more matured adult than I am, but I know that I have had to say, I wish I was a child <laughs> at some point, you know, and I don't know how many people can relate, like, man, this, it would be nice to just be a child to be cared for than having to care for people and all, you know? So, yeah, sometimes somebody says they don't even want to be an adult, you don't want again, okay then. Um, but we must grow. We must grow physically, and it's our responsibility to also ensure we grow spiritually. So, my question to you is this: uh, Talk us through your journey of spiritual growth, who you were before you came to Christ, and you know, just celebrating in your life again for sharing with us what he was like before he came to Jesus. So, who were you, and who are you now on your way to becoming who, who you know, who who you see that God has called you to be? Awesome, awesome question. So first of all, I'd like to celebrate Enyola again. I mean, I thought that was such an awesome testimony. I got this 
new bride feeling from him. You know that feeling when <laughs> he just got married. I know. In fact, I calculated it. Like so... July, then September. Yeah. Like you have the date. It was so exciting just Such hearing it. Such a new it. bride yeah. feeling. I love it. Okay, so my journey. Um, so the first time I gave my life, I mean, I grew up in a Christian family. But, you know, my, my parents were not very um, strict in terms of religion. So they were very disciplined with church attendance, but they didn't force it on us. It was optional to a large extent. Um, and they had their highs and lows. They had seasons when they were very active in church, and then they had seasons when, you know, they just abstained. So that was how they kind of were growing up, and it kind of allowed us to, you know, to you have to be a Christian, but the way you express your Christianity is up to you was kind of their, their theme. So when I was uh, 13, I, w- I remember going to church with my, my brother, actually, my older brother, uh, one Sunday. My parents had stopped going to church at that time. So he was going to church, and I said, you know what, why not? I'll come with you. And then we went. I hadn't been to church in years at that point. And then uh, we went to church. They preached an awesome sermon, and I gave my life to Christ. It was an adult church. I didn't know anything about their teen church or anything. Came out, gave my life to Christ. Um, I can't really explain the feeling then. It just, the, the message made sense, and I thought, yes, this is something I'd like to do. So I gave my life to Christ. How many more times did you do it after that? Uh, no, I'll get, there. I'll get there. <laughs> so I signed a card, you know, the oh, new believers card. And they told me that, oh, there are some classes, new believers classes, if you are interested. I said, okay, peace, thank you. And that was it. <laughs> and I didn't go back again for about five years. But I remember that during that period, you know, I, that day in particular, the next day, the next few days, I mean, I went home and I said, oh, guys, I gave my life to Christ. And I said, oh, great, okay. It wasn't that big a deal in my house. And then... When I would go out, I would be looking at myself and looking at people. Do I look different to them? <laughs> you know, it just, it really didn't make sense. So I think the point reflecting now is that there was no real follow-up. And uh, there was no teen church for me to go and see, like, people my age, maybe worship. I, I just, it was just all quite ephemeral. So anyway, life went on. Um, I mean, I think every now and then I would think about it, but that was it. So... I moved to England when I was 16 to study, and um, that started a process, a period in my life where I was really into alcohol and partying and going out, sort of similar to what Enela shared. And, um, you know, I remember, so see, my A-level years, 16 to 18, was filled with partying and a lot of drinking. Um, but God spared me from drugs, I think, because I, I just, I'm not sure I would have been able to come back out if I had gone into that. So I remember going into university and it was, you know, same old thing. And I was functional. I mean, I was doing well in academics and all that. But, you know, uh, quite a heavy drinker. And um, so when I started uni, same thing continued. I had my group of friends. We used to go out together, do well in school, but really active in the partying scene and boys scene and all that. And then... I had a boyfriend, I'd been dating him for a few years now. So it was really interesting, like in my circle of friends, I was considered the stable one because I had someone I had dated for two years and so So, But at that point, I started feeling an emptiness, like it just crept back up on me. You know, I'd gotten into university, I had this boyfriend, things seemed kind of stable, and then 
I just felt lost all of a sudden. I just felt like there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than this. But I wasn't sure where to start that journey. So one of my uncles uh, invited me to church in London and he said, oh, come with us. And I was like, mm, I'm not sure. He said, no, 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 come and look after my, he had two young girls. He said, come for the girls, they love you. You know, you'll play with them. I said, okay, great. So I went with him to church and it was such an amazing experience. The pastor was relatively young and the congregation was kind of youngish. From like my age, I was about 19, 20 at that time. And the pastor was in his 30s. So I found the messages quite relatable. And for the first time, I saw young people on fire for God and really chasing God. So I thought it was interesting. And so the next few weeks, I kept on going back with my uncle. And I really just got, I had questions. I had people I could ask the questions to, people that could explain it to me. I saw people that were my age going through my own same dilemmas and using the Bible to answer it. And that really appealed to me. And then eventually in that church, I gave my life to Christ. I was about 21 then. Um, and it was completely different this time because I had a community of believers around me. I had people my age that were going through similar situations. I had a church family I was growing with. And by God's grace, I haven't looked back since then. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So we have a, a couple of questions, actually, that uh, we would run through uh, based off questions that have then come out of this um, entire teaching series. But I want you to just quickly talk us through your pain points. So you've spoken about how you made that transition from, well, just loosely putting a darkness into light. But where, was there any pain? Because I have a question here, and, and the person is saying, I'm choosing to grow with God, but it means having that some of my clo closest friends and I can't hang out or talk about the things we used to before. How do I deal with the pain of losing friends who have been with me for years? Did you have to change your circle of friends? So, uh, interestingly, I kind of did. Um, so, the first reaction, of course, when I started going to church, and I would go back to uni with my same set of friends. The first reaction was, you know, so they're going clubbing. I don't want to go. You know, the first few times, yeah, it's fine. And then after a while, everyone was like, what's going on with you? Why don't you want, why don't you want to come out? Why are you not drinking? Why are you not? And then I'll try and explain that, okay, so, you know, I have... <laughs> so I met this guy he's not really a flesh kind of guy but you know <laughs> this spirit man <laughs> you know so I tried to and break down dating him dating Christ you know I tried to break it down and honestly the reactions were quite violent not violent let me not put it that way it was I felt like they were looking at me like I was judging the lifestyle so, oh, all of a sudden you're in delight and everything we all used to do together is now bad. And I was constantly trying to justify that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that right now in my work with Christ, it's not advised, it's not permissible. This is what I want to focus my energies on. Trying to have those diplomatic conversations, you know, and they're just really looking like you like, what, what sort of Christ will just come and pull out our friend and make her think that everybody around her is bad and she's the only one that's good. And so it was that, those kind of feelings and it was really, really tough for me because 
you know, initially, you know, they try to be very, look, you can make your decisions, but we don't understand why something, as you say, as good as Christ will drive a wedge between a friendship. You know, doesn't Christ like friends? Doesn't Christ love everybody? Does You know, so trying to answer those questions, and it's really challenging at that stage. Eventually, what happened was naturally, we were not as close anymore because I wasn't really going out as much. I wasn't really, uh, you know, hanging out the way we were as much. So a natural wedge came in. And to be honest, at the time, I did try my best to hold on to those friendships because, you know, these are people I really deeply cared about. They're my friends. They had been there for me in different situations. What really helped me in that season was, as I said, my church community. So I was getting to, to have these new friends that understood what I was going through. Um, so I had them to lean on and relate with. But with my older friends, there definitely had to be a season where I really wasn't as close to them again. It was quite lonely. It was quite challenging. So what kept you going on those lonely seasons? Okay, so for me, it was, you know, like I said with Eniola, the joy I had in Christ, that newfound, loved up feeling of, you know, I'd found something that was more than enough for me. And then the community that I had, my uncle that took me to the church, my church family, uh, you know, the new friends I was getting to know. And then also, it's interesting, once you give your life, you start to look for, hey, I heard there's a student union in this university. <laughs> Where are they? Something I've never <laughs> considered before. So I started looking for, like, the Christian circles. Or where are they? Where do they hang out? You know, maybe, you know, just try to make new friends. And the few friends I had that just tried to, you know, understand me while I was going through that phase. You didn't ask this, but I also had a boyfriend. I'm breaking the news to him too. was very... <laughs> I'm sure somebody is interested in knowing that because there's actually a question there. Um, I was going to have Demilady take a stab at it, but it says, let me see. I thank God for how I have grown over the last few years, but my long-time girlfriend, now in this your case, boyfriend isn't quite at the same level of growth as me. So was your boyfriend even born again then? To start no, with? no, so he, he wasn't. wasn't. So please tell us, how did you deal with it? So he took it very badly because again, he just felt judged. Like, so you want to continue this relationship, but you can't do the things we used to do. You can't, you know, every, he felt like everything he said, I was bringing scripture. So just this, <laughs> just this feeling of, you think you're better than me so, all of a sudden. Uh, Pastor, we'd slow down first. Yes, ma'am. Did you want to break up with him? No. You didn't? No. So, so your new boyfriend, Jesus. Yes. You were not in you love with him so much. Like, so you wanted to still like, you know, do Jesus and do this guy. Is it me, Jesus? Okay. <laughs> so I have to be honest. My ideal, you know, everybody has the ideal situation in my mind was that he will just see how much I love Jesus and how amazing and Jesus is. And he will give his life to Christ. Mm. And we will live happily together. Your light will shine and draw him. <laughs> and mm. then we'll have been here today giving the testimony together. Hallelujah. <laughs> alas. But alas, that was not Christ's plan for that relationship. So I had to break it to him. No, eventually, the truth is, eventually, it just became unbearable for him. 
because the nature of the relationship had to change completely. So it wasn't just me changing, it was what I could do with him that was changing, where we could go together and the content of our conversations, everything was changing. And he was like, this is so unfair of me. This is not the person I met. So <laughs> who is this new person? You know, so it was really difficult. Eventually, I had to, I, I, you know, I prayed about it. I said, good God, how, how can I handle this? I really, really, at the time, loved this person, but I love you more. And I just know that it's, it's not working anymore. So eventually, I had to break up that relationship. And it was one of the toughest things I've done at the time. But there was a lot of grace, you know, and there was a lot of support. Yeah, please, can yeah. we just appreciate God for that? For, for that support, because that support is so critical. I mean, I've spoken to people who have said to me, look, I really want to, you know, tow this path, this path of righteousness, this is straight and narrow, but it's such a lonely path because, first of all, in fact, some people have given examples like, look, my friends from back in those days have very interesting, I love the vibrant lifestyle. Forget all the things that they do, but it was, but I enter inside church and then the people are just like super boring. It's so difficult to find friends that you can relate with, you know. And I'm grateful for a church like the Life Point, you know, where we have amazing young men and women who are, who are street smart, who are wise, who have the spirit of God in them, you know, and, and are not afraid to shine their light, you know. So thank God for community because it's so critical. I've actually had people testify of, you know, being able to then fully live for Christ and not feel that sense of loneliness anymore when they join a small group, for example, a small group in church or a service team. All right. Um, thank you so much, um, Dami, for sharing. So I'll just move on to, I know you have some other stories that I would like you to touch on as well, but I would ask um, Demi Lady a question now. It says, um, I find it hard to commit to sustained Bible reading. I've tried different techniques, but I still really struggle. How do I focus on Bible reading so I can grow? Right. Um, so as like a baby adult, who, who, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home where it was a thing you had to kind of tick off every day. So my father, I mean, big man, booming voice, comes with, Dim Laddie, have read your Bible today? He asked me to say, yes, daddy. It was, it was something we did out of routine. We had no real interest in learning anything from it. I mean, 66 chapters, and it's all thine, thee, thou, art. It's not... Red KJV. Oh, no. My father is a KJV... My, da my dad eased us into it gradually. I started with Good News uh, Bible. Good one. Yeah, I no. we, are, we are the real I toddlers and infants. KJV. If you're not saying vine, if it's not in your speech, vine, thou, art, no, you're not doing it right. So, I mean, um, so, I mean, and obviously there were also parts of the Bible that I had no real understanding. I mean, just read it, you know, and Abraham begats, who begats, and you begats. Does anybody skip the begats? Hmm. I used to skip the begats until I started seeing some correlations. So I read the begats now, and I think you should try it. You should actually read it, the in history. NLT translation. In a, yes, don't go and do begats. Start small. You know, you can read the begats in a message translation or an amplified or NLT, NIV. Uh -huh. Because if you are still seeing the begats, be dying, you will skip it definitely. So I mean, but I said all of that to say. The first thing that had to change for me was my mindset. It needed to stop being something that I was taking off just to please my father. And I needed to start to see it as something that had personal utility for me. And I remember the first time that that really dawned on me was 
I was watching something and they quoted the scripture where it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the way the pastor was, I mean, it kind of, I mean, the picture I saw in my head was like, here's bread on one hand and here's the mouth of God on another hand. And, you know, you can't choose bread. You have to keep choosing God's mouth. And I'm like, well, I don't see his mouth. I don't, like, where's the mouth? And it all sort of now boiled down to the Bible. And so if I want to be able to live by the word of God, I need to find out what God is saying at every moment so that I'm living by what God says. And so it became a thing for me where, okay, what is God saying for me today? As soon as my mindset changed from ticking it off to wanting to know what God is saying so that I can live for that day, something changed in my heart. And that became the, the driver for me now sticking with Bible study. And I want to be clear and say that it's not easy. It, it can be very boring. It can be very uneventful sometimes. I mean, there are days when I'm reading this, I'm here and the Holy Spirit, I'm just like, ooh, nice, nice, nice. And there are days when I'm reading this, I'm just like, are you even like, are you here with me? What's going on? But I found that the, the key thing there is desire. As long as that desire is there, and as long as you can hold on to that desire and say, Lord, I'm doing this because I want to hear from you. What I find is that God now gives you grace or divine enablement to keep doing that practice. And then after a while, it goes from being boring to slightly interesting. I mean, I like the parts where like David killed 5,000 men and he took a javelin and he just was just back, 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 back. I like those parts. But then there are other parts where I'm just like, so, so what are you saying? You know, 22 dot two doves and 16. I have no idea, but I'm starting to grain find... Grain offerings and the... And the grain offering, the meal offering, the... It's like, all right, you know, y'all can have your cereal and have your... I'm not, you know. <laughs> but again, desire and then desire translates into effort and that effort with grace will make it a lot yeah, easier. God blesses the efforts, but we must make the efforts and that he then blesses and enables us just continue to stay with him. Fantastic. But I want us to also help this person. I mean, the techniques are not listed that they've tried out already, but in terms of practical steps, what would you advise? And you, Dami, as well. What would you guys say? Um, I know we can already infer that even trying with a different translation possibly can help. Absolutely. And then how do you study? How do you, um, how should such a person attempt to study the word? So the great thing about growing up in this generation is that there are a number of tools that you can use. Um, I was doing, we were doing a Bible study in the band. We were reading the book of Jude and there was a podcast for it and there were YouTube videos and everything. And that was probably one of the more engaging Bible studies we've done because we watch videos. We, so everybody came with their, and I saw in this video, they said, Mama, ah, uncle, which Band, one? question to you. Did you, is there anybody here who ended up not reading the actual Bible <laughs> and just, because we're a generation of, we would rather watch the movies than read the books. So is there anybody there? You already know yourself. <laughs> So, right, I mean, so, so it's leveraging on things like that. There are tools. Um, but another thing that I've found is finding friends who like to talk about the Bible. Um, because I find that there are times when you're reading something and, you know, just another person's experience reading that same thing opens up something that you didn't see at all. I was just talking with Toloni about this. There, there are portions of the Bible that I've read and until I discussed it with somebody, I had no real clue what was going on. So it's important to find people who you can discuss things with. Oh, you know, we're reading this portion together, or I read this and I want to know what you think about it, and we talk about it, and God starts to break things open in your mind. 
So that's one of the techniques. That Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Dami, do you have anything to add to that? No, that's it really. So many useful tools now. Bible plans are very helpful. Yeah, Bible plans. Um, the short ones, the long ones, whichever works best for you. So, okay. Yeah. And then I'll just add to this and say to the person um, or anyone who has a similar experience, don't, don't give up. Don't get tired. Uh, you take a stab at it in the mornings. You find, oh, I sleep off. I mean, that's usually what a lot of people say. The Bible is so boring. I sleep off when I start to read. Just um, find your active, you know, time of the day to engage in Bible study. For some people, you're very there. They're nocturnal, so um, night seasons work best, you know. So don't say because they have said, read your Bible prayer every day, start the day with God. Um, I must read my Bible in the morning. You will grow into that. You will grow into that. But from, from now, just desiring that time with God, Find the time of the day that works best for you to be able to um, read. And then find one or two friends that you can start a plan with, for example. And say, oh, guys, can we like the band? Can we study the book, this book together? You know, and then we'll discuss, we'll debrief maybe every other day or every evening or um, on Saturdays or something. You find that because you are accountable to those groups of friends, you would want to do it so that you can have something to share, um, you know, at such a time. Sorry, uh, just... Okay. No, I was just going to say one last thing. Something that I had to learn to do as well is pray. Absolutely. Very important. And I want to be In clear. Fact, that's like the first thing yeah, you show when thing. you start studying the Word. And it's not an everlasting king of glory, eternal rock of ages type of prayer. Is is God, I'm, I'm about to read your word and, and I just need you to say something to me and I want this to hold me through the day. Something that I, I can hold on to that I will meditate on throughout the course of the day. And I find that typically when I do that, I always get something. Get something. Something's always bubbling in my Absolutely. When is it appropriate to do Everlasting King of Glory? <laughs> <laughs> Gen Z okay. said we should say this guy, Daddy. We should not say, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay. So I just wanted to add quickly also, no pressure in terms of I must read the whole book of Esther in one week or whatever, even if it's a verse a day, right? I find that consistency is really, really what's key in terms of Bible study. So if it's a verse or two a day, you can start with and have that in your mind and think through it during the day. Honestly, it makes a big, big difference. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and uh, Dami, I'm just going to have you speak still to another pain point, you know, in the course of growing. Uh, there's this statement that um, tough times, uh, sorry, I have to look for it. Kind okay. of tough time never lasts. <laughs> no, it's not even that. Before I, before I, before I share this statement, um, I'm reminded of something that I saw that uh, Sam Chand, so he's a leadership consultant, yeah. He, he had this entire equation about growth. And he says, growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. Therefore, for the mathematicians in the house, we can infer that growth equals pain. I love it so much because, you know, with growth, you've got to change. There are things that have to drop off, you know. So you had to change friends, for example. You had to change your relationship, you know. You had, you had to give up certain things away. Uh, you had to lose stuff too, you know. Uh, so change equals loss, and then loss obviously translates to pain. And so if you're growing... There's got to be some pain, the pain of growth, the pain of stretching, uh, the pain of doing, having new, developing new habits, for example. And this applies to every area of our lives, not even just spiritual growth. We, professionally, too, I mean, you're going to have to burn midnight candle or oil or whatever it is, or, or, or gen or whatever it is that we burn these days. We don't burn 
um, candles and torch lights anymore. But yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice. So I, I want you to talk us now. You have known Christ. You've gotten married and all. Was, do you want to share with us any specific event of your life that you had to grow and it was a painful growth for you? Okay, so there are quite a few. But um, <clears throat> I think I'll speak about when my husband and I were trying to have a child. So um, we got married in 2013. And, you know, at the time, I, well, I felt like I had waited a while to get married. And so part of what we, I wanted actually was to get pregnant on my wedding night. But of course... The pressure <laughs> for the young man. <laughs> that was not my husband's plan, but... You know, I think we eventually agreed for the newlyweds are looking. <laughs> I hope that's not what my wife is thinking. So, um, but I think we negotiated three months, you know. So I, his ideal was two years or something. We negotiated three months. Yeah, exactly. That was my reaction. Anyway, we negotiated three months. So three months later, we started trying actively and trying and nothing was happening. And, you know, that started a whole roller coaster of you know, uh, tests, hospitals, I mean, of course, prayers and all that. But for me, it was really a journey of really asking God, when I began to get the negative feedback from the hospitals, really asking God, why? I mean, what really is the purpose of this journey? I don't want it. I don't want to know you in this experience. I know you already. Let me know you in another way, but... Not this. I just, I just, it's not something I just wanted to deal with. Because I just felt like, you know, just cut me a break. I'm a new bride initially. And then a year passed. The second year, it still didn't happen. And we're getting more negative results. And it was really just, why? And it was quite a painful process because there was not a lot any of us could do about it. But we had times when we would, you know, take the frustration out on each other, really, you know. And then, you know, you know, but try and get over it so we could join hands and pray about it together because it's a together issue, right? So it was, it was an interesting journey. I think for me, what really helped me was um, I decided early on, after I got over my why me, why me, <laughs> I decided that, look, I was going to run into God, right? And really just understand what he wanted to do in this process. The first thing was trying to understand the scriptures and what it says about um, having a child, what God has done in terms of, uh, you know, saying that none shall be barren. And really understanding that scripture and digging deep into it. Then, of course, doing the medical side as well, whilst doing that. But the anchor for me, was when God gave me a scripture in Exodus chapter 23, verse 26. And that scripture talks about, you know, if you serve God, there shall be... Um, sorry, I wrote it down. So let me, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it talks about... Sorry, let me open it. Where are you, scripture? Come out. <laughs> okay, Exodus 
There shall nothing cast. Oh, sorry, this is KJV. <laughs> <laughs> no he one shall suffer. Talk to me in KJV. <laughs> no, no one shall no suffer, suffer miscarriage or be barren, or be barren uh, in uh, your uh, land. Exactly. I will fulfill the number of your days. Exactly, exactly. So, yes, let me read the one he said. He said, You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, and I will protect you from illness. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land, and I will give you long, full lives. So when I got this scripture, it gave me a lot of peace. Um, and anytime we would get any negative result, I would remember this and just hold on to what we knew that God had done. The second thing that happened was I saw, you know, a friend of mine told me how she wrote down, you know, she was believing God for something, and she wrote it down how she wanted it to happen, and it happened that way. So I thought they interesting. So I wrote down what, I, what would be my testimony when I get pregnant. So I wrote it down how I wanted it to happen. And at the end of writing it down, you know, it's the first time I heard an audible voice. And I just heard, it is finished. And I thought, wow, okay, interesting. You know, what does that mean? I mean, I heard it is finished many times, you know, particularly Easter, it is finished, it is finished. But then I dug deep into that scripture and God used it to just tell me that, look, it is really finished. It is all done. There's nothing in my word that I've said that I've not already done, you know. So all this rigmarole, all this running around, know that you are fighting, fine, but you are fighting a fight that you've already won. And that gave me... a position of victory. Fighting from a position of victory. And so that gave me a lot of peace. And I, for the first time, I understood what it meant to enter into God's rest. So we really rested. When I mean rested, we forgot about it. We just started living our lives. Um, we thought about things we had wanted to do that we had put on hold because we were trying. So like adoption, we did that, which we loved. You know, we traveled. We just got into so many things. And at God's perfect time, it happened. And, you know, when I reflect, I see that I grew so much in that process, so much. I let go of a lot of things. I let go of a lot of the way that I perceive God. Um, I trusted God more. I, I learned to trust God more than ever before. I learned to put down my plans and just really trust that there's no plan I have for myself that's better than the plan that God has. And I never again can doubt the capabilities of God because really the doctors were saying 0.1% chance. Wow. Right, that bad. Wow. You know, but it is finished. It is done. Hallelujah. That's such an amazing testimony. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You know, um, and so many lessons. In case someone is here, um, you've addressed so many things about the waiting season. I don't know what it is you are in this auditorium or online watching. I don't know what it is you're waiting on God for. But I hope that uh, Pastor Dami and Pastor Tolu's testimony has encouraged you to keep on holding on, to keep trusting. I love the part where you said God gave you a word for that circumstance. See, you cannot get a word if you're not seeking to, like Dimladi said, if you're not seeking to hear from God, that he will speak. I mean, he's always speaking, but you've got to be able to position yourself to hear from him. And he's always, his scriptures are filled. In fact, there's nothing that we are going through that we cannot find a scripture for. 
that is the truth. And it's in the place of studying his word that, you know, scripture comes alive to you and you find it's really just for the season of life you are in or for that circumstance. So this is such a huge encouragement for anyone who's waiting. So how long was this entire process? You got married 2013 and then... Four years. Four years. So four years of waiting. Um, and that should just encourage you. Whether you've been waiting for one week for a response for, from a job, um, you know, interview you've, you've undertaken, or you're waiting for some results, you're waiting, whatever it is, a month, three months, one year, five years, God never fails. He always shows up and he's always on time. We are the ones that put ourselves under pressure when we believe that it has to be done and it has to be done now. And we believe God's time must be now because we're his children. But he, he does not operate the chronos time that we work with. Oh, see, they say when you get married, then you must have a child immediately. In fact, see, she wanted a child exactly like, what, three months. For some, it happens. For some, no. But I believe that the bigger purpose is beyond the child that we're seeking. I mean, Sarah wanted a child and Abraham wanted a child, but God was looking for a nation. You know, Anna wanted a son, but God was looking for a prophet. And we can go on and on. So what you are waiting for, you think is just a job. Meanwhile, God is looking at doing so much more through it, through you, more importantly. But he needs you to grow up. He needs you to be fit for purpose. And he takes us. See, we can't choose our journeys. We wish we could choose our challenges and our trials. Yeah. So I get born again and I know that Jesus has already said to me, that I would undergo trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome. And I go in that knowledge. But I'm like, uh, can I cherry pick? Can I pick and choose? I'm sure if you had a choice, you will not pick this. You can be like, okay, maybe money, you know? Maybe just make money scarce for like four years. Even you won't choose money, right? You know? But no, I, we, we can't. We can't because God knows us and he knows how he needs to develop us. He, need, he, he needs to build our inner man, you know, for what is our head. And so we don't choose the trials, we don't choose the tribulations, but she is a living testimony of how God always honors his word and how he comes through and she has become better. And I know through it, you've been able to also be a blessing to women too that have been waiting, specifically in this area. So see what you're currently dealing with. See that current challenge as an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. Sorry, can I just add, yes, you'll be surprised the number of women I speak to that have turned to the occult in their search to have a child. You know, they've gone through depression cycles. I mean, I, somebody was talking about really dark stuff that they do because they've gotten to a point where they're just so desperate. And sharing testimonies with them is really, really encouraging. So I would not, reflecting now, I would not change that experience for anything. It's really made me into a different person. I mean, you know, God help me, but there are very few things now that I don't think God can do, right? Like I come before challenges and the first thing that my spirit says is it is finished. It's just about, you know, okay, God, we are discussing when, how, you know, do you want it for me? Those are the questions. The capabilities of God are forever settled in my life and in my mind, you know? So it's, 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 it's not, it's, what's the word? An experience that. Worth, worth, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't trade, trade for, anything. for anything. Yeah, you won't yeah. trade it for anything. Awesome. Please, can we just celebrate God again for that? Amazing. Uh, Demi Lade, so I know, I know we're running um, a bit out of time, but I want you to address this. Uh, I've heard pastors talk about growing faster than other people. Is this possible? Is this even fair? And if it is, how do I grow faster than everyone else? So, <laughs> first of all, why do you want to grow faster than anyone else? Is it a competition? <laughs> 
you know, but hey, I think the, the, the idea is this. I've heard, you know, so when we say things in church like, oh, favor is not fair. But hey, we're God's children and we get favored, you know. Can you just speak to that a bit? Um, so, so I find that growth is always a function of desire. Um, if you want to grow, I mean, and it's only in spiritual things that, that growth, I mean, actually, even in physical things as well, if you want really strong, big muscles, like, you know, I, mean, I was going to say Jiro, um, but if you want really big muscles, you need to desire, desire it. And then once you desire it, you need to also sit and put the work in to be able to get what you want. Put in the, in the work. Put in the work. And it's, and it's like Pastor Damien was saying, there's a lot of pain involved. Even the regular sort of uh, person who's doing building his muscles, um, I was reading. I mean, I was trying, I'm trying to get those muscles, but I was reading about this, and they're saying that every time you do like a bicep curl or you pick a weight or whatever, what you're doing is you're actually breaking your muscles, and then they will reheal, but they will heal bigger. And so the people who tend to grow faster, in quotes, in God, even though but the people who tend to grow faster in God are the people who go through that breaking and healing mm. process. I love that. That's such a, that's such a deep word, actually. Yes. Breaking and then being put together yeah. again. Because that's really what it is in the life of the spirit. We get broken. The potter breaks us and remolds us, reshapens us. Yeah. Especially when we have like gone, <laughs> gone left. <laughs> I mean, if you see the people in the Bible who have the most outstanding stories... They're almost always the people who are broken, broken several broken times over. Broken and contrite spirit. Absolutely. So, you, I mean, you think back. about David mm. and Joseph mm. and all these guys. They submitted willingly to that consistent breaking process. And for a lot of us, when, I mean, and that's the thing. God will not come and say, Ademari, are you ready for the breaking? <laughs> No, you can't even choose the breaking. I mean, ask Joseph. Or the when. Or exactly. <laughs> I just ask Joseph. When, I feel like he, he got a lot of the buzzbos badly, you know, from yeah. family to being lied upon to somebody. Is it his fault that he's a fine boy? <laughs> somebody must have him and that. You know, I mean, mm. he would have been bright. I, I, I imagine that if, if Joseph was melancholic, oh my God, that's like cycles of depression in our world now. Like you're consistent, like God, why, what, what's going on here? You're just dealing with all that, that yeah. without knowing that the breaking and the putting together really you're it's, going through a process and it is for you know the throne the kingdom and the thing about it is i mean and i want to say this as a way of encouraging is um we often think that ah okay so god will break then you put it back and you'll give it like six months to just sort of get yourself together then you're not then okay but sometimes the cycles of breaking and putting back together are back to back, back, to to back, back as in so you need to, and again, it all comes down to what you're thinking, what your mindset is like through that process. You need to, it's like you were saying, now I've come to the place where I trust the God of all possibilities. I know who I believe in. And so even though he slays me, I will trust. Exactly. Even though he's thinking breaking of this me, same scripture, though will, he slays me, I will keep and yet, going yeah. to the gym mm. <laughs> until I come out mad buff. Like that's, that's the process, mm. you know. Thank thing. you so much for that. Thanks a whole lot. Amazing. Thank God, thank God. Um, so let's just talk about money very quickly in the short time that we have. Um, because uh, I guess someone is listening and you're, you're like, oh yeah, okay, so we've spoken about spiritual growth, but uh, money, where, how does money fit into all this? God wants us to prosper and be in health and it's not just limited to uh, one area of our lives. It's all around um, health and wholeness, all around um, prosperity. So just financial health. And so there's a question, how do I grow my bank account while living in a place like Nigeria? 
where inflation rates are ridiculous and good money is hard to get. <laughs> and you are not, let me help this person. And you are not earning in dollars or any, any you are not even earning in CDs or any, any currency that is better than the Naira right now. It's only one currency, Naira. And it's not even guaranteed, you know. And let me not even just worsen it, but please go on. They're not paying you crypto. No, sadly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was thinking about this question and, and obviously, I mean, cliche, I'd already had my hold, my, my gosh, I supply, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, after I had done away with all of that, God now reminded me of the scripture in Genesis 8, 22. And it says, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. And I found that if you look at all of those things, the one that we are very... Like, we're okay with cold and heat because we're used to it. We're okay with winter and summer because we're used to it. We're okay with day and... It's not hard for you to believe God for day and night. But the one, the only one that we have a hard time believing God for is seed time and harvest. And if you don't intricate, if you don't intimately believe God for seed time and harvest in the same way that you do day and night, you don't wake up in the morning and think, ah, is the sun going to rise up? You believe with all your heart that it will because you've seen the faithfulness of God over and over again. And it's the same process. So when we say things like, you know, um, give or, you know, use what you have to bless others, your widow's might to encourage somebody, you know, influence people's lives with your money. When we say things like that and we say that that is your seed time, you need to believe it with all your heart that once I do this, the harvest is coming. And it's in that mindset. Again, that's what, it all goes down to the mind. Like Eniola was saying, the minute you retool your mind, you start to see that what you thought was, a, was an impossibility suddenly becomes possible. And I'm saying this to myself as well because, you know, <laughs> your boy needs that money, yo. But, like, um, I have to keep changing the way I think about these things so that even now, I mean... If we can go to Canada, I mean, but like I'm saying, what I'm saying is, if, while I'm here, I am committed to changing the way I think about my money, changing the way I think about financial prosperity, changing the way I think about contentment, because I also realize that I have stuff. I was trying to clean up my wardrobe the other day, and I said, ah, where is all? I mean, I have stuff, but I am not as content with it as I thought I was. So building that mindset of content, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great, great gain. gain. Great gain. So are you content love, with what you currently are? I love are? where you've just landed. It's, are you content with what, where you currently are at? And it's okay to have, you know, this um, godly, as we put it in Christian, <laughs> Christianese, godly discontentment. But what are you discontent about, you know? What is fueling that discontent? Is it because you have measured your net worth against the net worth of someone else? <laughs> and you're like, I'm for, uh, you know, we finished school together. Um, this person is the vice president. He's a vice president at, you know, Boston Consulting. I'm here still earning Naira. And my Naira serve is not even solid money anymore. They have refused to pay me. But, you know, there's a way discontentment sets in and it takes your eyes off the blessings that you are currently receiving. And that's what, uh, I mean, Paul puts it so very aptly. He says, I've learned to abase and to abound. So in their seasons of abundance, um, that's not only the time when God is good. God isn't only good when I get a promotion. 
Neither is it only good when I do an investment that falls through and I make a whole ton of money, you know. He's also good when I'm in that, cis, that phase where I'm at base, where I'm learning to just be content with the little that I have. And even seeing how I can use that little to also be a blessing to someone. Because guess what? There is someone whose condition is worse than yours. Absolutely. There's someone who is way worse off than you, where you are. So where you think, oh, God, you have not tried, oh, your boy is, or oh, your girl is just here looking. There's someone who is struggling seriously, significantly. And I find that the Holy Spirit, or will, by divine orchestration, sometimes we enter into, in, into phases where we either encounter people or situations, and it's an opportunity for blessing. But we miss out on those opportunities. Why? Because we are focused on what we have. We have done a quick check. What is my bank account saying right now? What do I have in my wallet? I don't even have anything at home anymore, you know? Meanwhile, that your 500 naira or your 1,000 that you could have just given it to was, an was going to be, like you put it, was seed. Was seed that you could have put into the earth. Just in case someone is thinking, oh, when we say seed, we're talking about bringing money to the altar in church. No. There are opportunities for blessings that God provides to us. And we need, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to be mindful of such opportunities. I mean, we can share tons of testimonies of how you've given away and how you've had received, you know, pressed down, shaking together, men pouring into your bosom. So part of our responsibilities as God's children, you know, in addition to reading the word, hearing the word, is also to listen, to listen for those faith actions that the Holy Spirit would not just to take. It doesn't make sense at those times because you are looking at yourself and like, no, not me. And my, my, my typical reference for, for, you know, doing something that is crazy, having to take a faith action or something when it doesn't make sense is, is Joseph. I mean, he had every reason in prison to be very discontent, to not bother about anybody else, to sit in some corner and be morose, just thinking about his own predicament. But it was in the place of being, I mean, how do you observe a, a down countenance? or a fallen countenance of another person, you were paying attention, obviously. Do you understand? He was looking out. He, was, he observed. He saw it. Because he was not consumed by his own situation, so much so that he missed out on that opportunity to be a blessing to the butler and to the baker. Okay, so we've, we've come to the end of this. We would love for you to go on. I'm sure there's some other questions you guys have. But we trust God. We should be able to do this again sometime next month by God's grace. But I hope you have been blessed. Thank you so much. And please do help celebrate Demilade and Pastor Dami. Uh, no, before you guys go, I'm going to have you guys just pray very quickly. Um, I want to leave us with a word, a scripture here before we go. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, because we've said so many things that apply to our lives as individuals. But I want someone to just hold on to the scripture as they go, because this is the, this is the crux. This is what God wants of us. It says, um, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that word image there, it means a spiritual personality and a moral likeness. What that transformation does for you is makes you more like God. You, know, you think like God, you act like him, you live like him. Uh, it doesn't happen in one day. That is why it is present continuous, being transformed. And so it is you committing, us all committing to a journey of transformation or a journey of daily transformation uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to have um, Pastor Dami and Demiladi just say a quick word of prayer for everyone before we take our exit.
Right. Father, we come to thank you for this opportunity because your word says that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, we thank you for your word that has been broken in our hearts. We thank you for how you've taught us the principles of growth. We ask, Lord, and we commit to cooperating with you so that, Lord, as you break and mold us, we will not be whining, we will not complain, but rather, Lord, with joy and happiness and gladness, we will see you transforming us into what you want us to be. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Liberty, the one who can remove all our misconceptions, the one who can remove all our doubts and fears, that your Holy Spirit will be our friend. He will be the friend that sticks much closer than a brother. And that in seasons of fear, in seasons of uh, discontent, he will be the one reminding us, showing us the way that you are working and helping us and giving us the grace to cooperate with you. Lord, we thank you because we know you will do more than we can ask or think. Your power is at work in us to will and do of your good pleasure. We appreciate you and we give you thanks and praise. I uh, just want to say a quick prayer for those who feel like they are lonely and they've lost friends along the way or lost loved ones. God is the source of our joy. God is the source of all love. And Lord, we ask that you stick with us, you stick with these people so that they will feel your love and your warmth like never before. We thank you, Lord, because you would do more than we ask or think. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, Lord, because we know that we are indeed constantly being transformed. We ask, Father, Lord, for everyone here who is currently going through a, a growth phase. Father, Lord, we pray for grace in the name of Jesus. We pray for a heavenly perspective of what they're seeing, Father, Lord. We pray that they will come out of this season with a better understanding and a deeper understanding of who you are and whose they are. Lord, above all, we ask, Father Lord, that their hearts are stayed glued on you through the process. They will not leave you, even as we know that you will never leave them. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. I'd also like to take this opportunity to ask anyone who perhaps has heard something today from Enola, from Demilade, from me, from BWS, or just from the Spirit, that makes them decide that today they'd like to make the decision to live for Christ like we all did at some point. So if you're here and you've decided that you'd like to make that decision, take that first step towards having a relationship with Christ, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just ask that you raise up your hands while I say a short prayer with you to kickstart the best journey of your life. Do we have anyone? Okay, I don't know if the ushers are looking out, but I see one hand. Thank you, Jesus. Father Lord, I thank you. I thank you today because we know that right now there's a celebration going on in heaven, even as one more soul has come to your kingdom. I just ask for the person or persons raising up your hand that you say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that you came into the world as Jesus Christ and that you died and that three days later you rose. I confess my sins and I ask you to be Lord and Savior in my life. From today onwards, I will live for you 
and grow in you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Please, let's celebrate their life. Let's celebrate the new life. Welcome home. Thank you, Jesus. Let's celebrate our new soul. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.